They came from Brazil. Once again, for this time, the 20th edition of the Startwell podcast, uh, I'm Kasim Virgi, the CEO and founder of Startwell here on King Street in our lovely, infamous, or famous, it depends on who you know, uh, studio. And this time around, I'm sitting with my friend Kundun, who is the founder of the App Lab. Uh, you might know the App Lab for being one of Toronto's premier uh, mobile app development firms. They do a lot more, I think. We're going to dig into that in a second. It's not just about mobile phones anymore. They do a lot more than uh, just the apps that maybe when you founded the company, people were using. Um, so welcome to the studio, Kundun. It's a pleasure to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. It's very excited to be part of uh, to part of your podcast. Yeah. So let's jump in. Uh, tell us a little bit about the App Lab. Let, let our listeners know what you guys do. And, uh, and maybe we could start from the beginning. Uh, the company is founded when? 2007, so 11 years now. Okay. Yeah, oh. almost 12 years actually. That's almost crazy. 12 years. Um, and for the early days, what was it founded to do? Uh, early days, it was a digital agency. So mm-hmm. it was founded to do to build websites, to build software, to do social media marketing. Uh, so a bunch of different things. And uh, then the iPhone came up and we realized, hey, we need to be in the app business. So our claim to fame is that uh, we've uh, in the last 12 years, we've built more than 500 apps. That's our bread and butter. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot, yeah, totally. Uh, for a wide range of clients. So you have the... Uh, Fortune 500s like the Unilevers and the Samsungs and the Dells of the world. You have the mid-tier like the Technions and the Park and Flies and the Tiffs of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we work with startups and scale-ups. Oh, you guys built Tiffs app? We did, yes. Nice. In, That's the in, Toronto in, Film Festival for our listeners. Toronto International Film Festival. International Film Festival. <laughs> so, so yeah. So the the whole range uh, where yeah we build build apps and that's what we've been doing. Uh, but as you said, we've been uh, we've been evolving as the nature of the businesses. I mean, <clears throat> we didn't start our company as an app development company. We started our company as uh, uh, enablers of uh, better human experiences mm-hmm. uh, through technology, through cutting edge technology, in a way that we can obviously create great businesses or successful businesses. So app was the uh, a great format to to enable that uh, apps. Successful apps must have great experiences, and as a result, they do have an impact on creating better experiences. Uh, but uh, there's a lot more than that. So, uh, so today you will be creating great experiences through apps. We'll be creating great experiences through chatbots. We'll be creating great experiences through uh, augmented reality and virtual reality and Internet of Things and so on and so forth. Uh, but our primary models are building custom apps mm-hmm. for our clients and using our platforms or app accelerators to help them build apps faster. Uh, so those are our primary models. Uh, it's kind of interesting because I remember years ago you were telling me about um, the concept of, of, in the beginning it felt like it was kind of like a white label uh, precursor to the end customer facing app. It's right. something that uh, you're getting maybe, as a development firm, you guys were getting a lot of leads for a particular type of app, so you built something that uh, almost anyone could use uh, to, to speed up your development time. Right. And then from there, it's become something more of a platform layer for your uh, offering. Exactly, exactly. So it's, I mean, uh, it's pretty much that. It's still a white-labeled offering, in essence. However, the main room in the market that we see is you have SaaS and you have custom apps. 
we play in the middle space because we realize that in order to create a great experience for your venture, you can't really go with a SaaS option. Mm -hmm. Any SaaS option, especially for mobile uh, that you'll see, uh, will have limited amount of customization. Right. Right. Whereas regardless of whether we build a custom app or we build using one of our white label products, we always ensure we go through the entire UX process, understanding the customer, understanding uh, the, the right experience uh, to build for them. And as a result of that, the UI or the design of the app will likely change. So to so do it in a SaaS way where it's cookie cutter is, is becomes very difficult. Yes, no but we've created a model where we can you reuse as much as possible of the backend services of also the front end. We built it in a very modular way, uh, but at the same time, allow for that customization either in phase one or definitely in the future phases. It's funny because uh, a lot of like hardcore programmers have like upturned their nose at me um, when I've said this in the past. But I used to do a lot of work, as you know, with open source content management systems, and specifically, uh, I got deep with Drupal around 2006 until 2011, 12. And I used to say, Drupal is not a content management system because it thinks that anything is content and it makes it, uh, anything is an entity that's relatable. So for me, I always used it, um, not to build kind of customer facing websites only, but really as web applications. So all of the little subsets of uh, features that Drupal could plug in, you know, I think, uh, you know, in WordPress people call those plugins, in Drupal, there are modules. All those modules, how they work together and ind independent of each other, I saw as kind of like, uh, you know, subroutines to the larger program. They're really these kind of functional elements of whatever application you're building. Um, and it was a web application framework to me. And it seems like this kind of like white label approach to doing development gives you that library of functionality to draw from. So that's, that's exactly. your platform. Makes certainly, sense. certainly. That's cool. Um, because you don't hear of too many app development firms that invest in their own approach and their own technology. Right. I um, mean, our focus is still B2B, so we are still helping our clients build their apps as opposed to releasing our own apps. But how can we help them? Again, our folk, I mean, how do we make sure that we are creating the best experience and creating successful businesses? So in certain cases, I mean, for every business, the, uh, the, the milestones are different. The, the first stage, uh, till which they have uh, the amount of runway they have to that stage is is variable. Now, based on the budget and the timelines associated, a custom app may not always work. Right. So this approach just allows us to do that, but still in a scalable way. Mm -hmm. Instead of building an MVP, which you'll have to throw after that milestone is achieved, we are we are able to build an MVP much faster and much uh, in much more cost effective way. Yeah but still keep it scalable so you can still reuse as much of that possible as you keep growing your company. So let's talk about how this, I don't know if it's directly this approach that's led to the firm working with startups, mm -hmm. but being able to rapidly prototype stuff because you've got the leg up on the platform, uh, was that an inroad into working with startups or helping co-create startups? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, I, actually, our platform is utilized a lot more for mid-tier, uh, middle ma mid-market and enterprise than startups. A lot of startups use our platforms as well. Uh, but the main motivation to work with startups uh, is 
always being tapped in to innovation always being tapped into doing things differently and doing new things uh, and uh, when we were working with enterprises and mid-tier not every project is as innovative as uh, as we would want it to be right. so so having that having a, a good balance of clientele allows again us to to breed a team that gets that has that diverse experience that allows us to be best in what we do for us to be innovators truly uh, so that for every project we can tap into that experience to truly create great experiences right. uh, so so when we at, at, at some point uh, in the few years back in our life cycle we we did decide not to work with startups anymore uh, yeah, because we were doing a lot of work in enterprise and we just wanted to continue doing that but we sort of came back around to it for that uh, for that yearning that hey no we still need to make sure that we are creating an impact we can visualize that impact on a much more tangible basis and that yearning for that impact i would say is probably the biggest reason why uh, we still continue to work with startups and find ways to work with them so that we are creating again we are cre- we are enabling successful businesses out of them um and uh, tell me a little bit about the makeup of the team in terms of numbers and, and distribution where is the app lab located I know you guys have some global offices. Yeah, certainly. So our our head office is downtown Toronto, University and Dundas. That's where our core team uh, works from. So our uh, our product managers, our sales and marketing teams, our design team, our uh, uh, our development leads, our architects, uh, our QA team. They all work from there. Uh, we have uh, three offices in US. Uh, that's where most uh, our consulting teams that work with our US clients work from. Uh, we have sales teams there as well. Uh, we have an office in India, Pune, India, where uh, a lot of our junior staff works from. Uh, some developers, uh, some testers. Uh, we have, uh, and then we have a few other satellite offices. One in Australia, one in Hong Kong, uh, and so on. But uh, but yeah, core of the team is between Canada, US, and India. How, uh, if there are any aspiring or not aspiring active, um, you know, startup founders or thinking of AppLab as a startup, maybe you've gone beyond that, but, or even service companies that work with remote teams, uh, do you have any tips off the top of your head for people trying to keep track of things when they have a globally dispersed team? Any tools that you use? Let's start there. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so I mean, it starts with a with a with a well-defined process. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone understanding exactly what role they are playing as a part of the overall team, not just as a part of a US team or an India team or so on. Uh, what role do they play as as a part of the whole team? Making sure that everyone's engaged as a part of the company culture, as opposed to having subcultures by having common stories, common victories, common successes, uh, and uh, so so that sort of obviously is let's, useful. Let's look at an example of that. Sure. So I know that you've had some accolades in the last little while, some awards. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them might have been even uh, awards to you personally, but it seems like when I've seen the response on social media to it. The whole app lab celebrates these wins for themselves, so I think that that's a really positive thing. Certainly. Uh, how do you how do you affect that kind of a culture? Yeah, so I mean, it's uh, one of the biggest ones is about stories, right? I mean, for us, it's every project or every work, like every piece of work we do, is about the impact that we create, and the impact basically. results in a great story of how we are helping the end clients, how we are creating a better experience through this app. So we built 
an app for uh, to connect uh, mental health patients with therapists. Now, how does that? What is the? What are the kind of stories coming out of it? Be uh, associated with uh, the patients uh, having uh, a better, leading a better life through what they have gained from the platform. So, so, so that is a, a victory for the every for every person who worked on that right. so making sure that we are celebrating those stories associated with the impact right. and not just about app labs financial success or a new project and so on becomes quite critical in ensuring that again we are saying common stories we have that common uh, uh, again common victory about doing good things together and uh, and being aligned uh, towards again making that impact together it's funny because, like in the traditional kind of marketing or advertising, if we're just cutting to the chase, agencies that have become marketing companies have become digital agencies. The the YPP sort of or WPP type people, big agencies. This has been a, a real cultural problem, I think, for a long time. Is looking at project work. I guess the whole thing is being run as a factory, an agency being run as a factory, where processes become points to hand things off right. and clients are kept kind of in the dark until they're handed something and the person who worked on it never gets to meet the client. That's a horrible scenario. To me. Um, so it's quite cool to hear that you guys are running things kind of in the opposite method. Definitely. And ensuring that the clients are open with us and we are, uh, they, they look at us as partners and part of their success, ensuring that we are collectively defining, if not providing recommendations or providing influence towards what the business KPI should look like, what that human experience KPI should look like, which is something that we define on every on a, for every project. And making sure that we have that co-ownership on that also ensures that we have visibility of that. Mm -hmm. And hence, we can contribute towards the overall success sure. as well as be a part of it. Um, I know a while ago when uh, when I was dropping by your previous office mm -hmm. a couple of years ago before Startwell was born, right? <laughs> um, you had allocated a space or a couple spaces in the office, from what I remember, to experimental technologies, right? Um, and I like that idea of kind of keeping some tech there for people to play with in the office, yep. and then experimenting on or using those technologies into client projects, whether it makes it into the end project or it's just a way to expand your mind. Uh, in thinking of solutions, mm -hmm. um, how do you guys embrace new technology and are there particular ones that you're working with right now uh, that your team likes and that your customers have connected with? Yeah, certainly. So so that has been a big part of the process to ensure that uh, every project we look at, we, we have uh, a product roadmap in mind which has interface with cutting-edge technology. Uh, now, in a lot of cases, it could mean that the cutting edge technology does coming come into picture in phase one, sure. or at least we make sure we are set up for success to use that technology in the next phase. Right. AI being obviously the most overused, but at the same time the most impactful uh, technology among those. Yeah. So yeah, it's used as a phrase now, <laughs> but. For every project that we work on, data strategy towards enabling machine learning is has become critical. Yeah. How do we ensure that the app that we are creating is an intelligent app or will be an intelligent app in the next phase is extremely important. Sure. So having that mindset means that each, not just 
the developers uh, in our in our AI lab, but also our designers, our UX uh, uh, researchers, uh, our business analysts, our product managers, all of them have enough exposure with the technology so they can constantly be thinking about uh, how we are, again, taking this product to the next level, how we, are, how we are making sure that technology will also serve as a strong differentiation for your product, uh, whether or not it's meant to do that uh, at the outset. Yeah, so, exactly, exactly. And, and also giving, uh, having, uh, en enabling the same with the clients, with our partners becomes important as well. So they can start visualizing it. We can start, we'll, we'll do small proof of concepts. Uh, we have a playground where we'll constantly be uh, playing with some technologies. We'll showcase that to them. We'll implement a, a small prototype for them. Uh, that way they can sort of start getting engaged. We have sort of incorporated that as a part of our sales process. Okay, where we'll cool. say, hey, you know what? This is what you asked us to pitch on, yeah. but here are some cool things, cool ideas, and here's maybe a video of how that could work. Uh, so that will always like always add that value of front of, yeah. hey, you know what, we are, we are thinking of the future and we want to continue doing that throughout the entire process. So, so again, the key ones are obviously machine learning, uh, which is predictive analytics, recommendations, engines, uh, and so on. In the AI world, uh, we're doing a lot of work in augmented reality, in mixed reality with smart glasses and so on, cool. and also with Internet of Things. So, yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> you know, once a month we do this, uh, we host a group called the Augmented World Expo Night Toronto. It's a chapter in Toronto, the largest chapter um, I think in the world of uh, AWE. Um, so there's about 9,000 plus people on the mailing list and about 200 people come every couple months uh, to the meetup at Startwell. And then every second month, there's like an industry kind of private meetup for a few people that work in the space. So we'll have to involve you in that. Of course. And uh, and I'd love to showcase what you guys are working on at one of those events. Certainly. Very cool. Um, we got to wrap quickly, unfortunately, for this session because the studio is booked for another group. But, you know, I would love to hear your tips from all the project work that you guys are doing and all the global um, interfacing that you do on the day to day. Where do you see or what predictions do you have uh, for technology, the culture of technology, emergent technologies, anything in this space? Um, let's say in the next three to five years, what are the, the big trends that you're betting on? Totally. So. The one that I'm betting on and I'm I'm working on it uh, at the same time is definitely uh, in the area of AI. But for us, uh, it's the area of how does AI and machine learning impact customer experience. Mm -hmm. So that's the area where we've been putting a lot of work in, a lot of research in. Uh, we're doing a lot of projects in that. And that is a combination of using AI for hyper-personalization of an experience on an app, right. uh, using AI for a hyper personalization of whether it's a training experience, uh, a learning experience, whether it's a retail experience, uh, whether it's uh, a, a manufacturing experience of uh, the people who are working on a floor and how does that impact from taking from RPA to predictive analytics to providing the right uh, uh, the, the right experience to the employees so that they can do their job at most optimum level uh, uh, 
personalization so that every person on the retail platform is only seeing products that are most aligned to them, uh, whether it's in an app experience or a chatbot experience. Uh, in a training experience, how do we make sure that, uh, uh, that, uh, uh, that the trainers are getting content that's based on their skills gap, uh, their le the learning format of that content is based on their personality and how do they learn that content uh, and, 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 so, and, and their career path and their aspirations sure. and so on and so forth. Uh, when it comes to healthcare, how do we ensure that we are able to uh, create the right path towards treatment, uh, whether it's pre-diagnosis, whether it's collecting the right data that associate that helps us provide pre-diagnosis, whether it's making sure we are connecting them with the right uh, with the right caregivers and so on. So, so those are some of the areas that we are focused on because we truly see that things are going to change in a big way. It's so interesting because I think um, you know we, when we started this conversation, one of the things you said that App Lab was founded on um, was the principles of improving user inter interface with technology. And in some ways, the nature of interface is changing or the needs for interface are changing so much. Uh, I think where it, AI is introducing these subtle layers of interface where you don't need interaction with the end user in the same way as five years, 10 years ago. Um, so it's almost like the robot in the background is interfacing with its own technology to improve the, 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 end, the end note with the customer. And that's, uh, that's super fascinating to me. Because it means that each interface that you create is so much more powerful in the back end, uh, and the output of people's interactions with computers is greater than they've ever experienced before. Certainly. Very cool. Okay, well, it was a pleasure. I'm sorry we had to keep this one short. To all our listeners who want to uh, you know, hear more from Kundun and uh, check out what the App Lab is up to, throw us some URLs and, uh, and your contact. Yeah, certainly. So our... Uh our website is www.theapplab, so T-H-E-A, Peter, Peter, Larry, Alpha, Bob, Bob, <laughs> dot com. <laughs> I'm having a bit of a cold, so I, I want to make sure I pronounce that well. Nice and clear. Peter, Peter. There you go. Peter, Peter. Yeah. A-P-P-L-A-B-B dot com. Dot com, indeed. And you can, uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's Kundan Joshi or follow us on Twitter. Totally. And we'll have links, of course, in the show page. Uh, for everyone listening on iTunes, the show page details are now being pushed uh, through the information or the description field that you'll see on your uh, iDevice. And um, for everyone else, if it's not in the dis uh, description field, be sure to log on to our website at startwell.co slash community, uh, and you'll see the show page for this and all of our past podcast episodes there where you can dig in, click on the links, and listen back to more episodes.